Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Quite Strangers. My name is Valerie Hope. I am the host. I'm also a leadership coach and a professional speaker. And this opportunity, these conversations serve as an opportunity to build curiosity, build connection. And I want to transform how strangers interact with each other. So we're going to model that for you, hopefully. If you are familiar with our show, you know you can subscribe to notquitestrangers.com, and that way you don't miss a single episode. But I do want to encourage you, if you're moved by anything that's said in this podcast, to make a comment in when, you're, when you're watching it, make a comment, let my guests know what resonated for you, what was important to you, and then also rate us on your favorite podcast platform so that we can make sure that other people have access to this important information too. Now, with that said, I want to take an opportunity to introduce my wonderful guests. I'm going to start off with L.D. Carter. L.D., you and I go back maybe officially like seven years or something like that because we both go to the same church. I know, wow, right? <laughs> I don't know that I could say I knew you for seven years. I would like to say that maybe just in the last year and a half, maybe two years, that we've gotten more and more acquainted since I've been a part of the board and you've been mentoring me and some of the things that we do at our church. And we've partnered together in supporting other members and volunteers. And so now I'm like, oh, yeah. LD is, he's a power, he's a powerhouse. And you know what, LD, the other thing I remember you sharing some things with me about how involved you are in our political landscape. And I was like, so surprised. I didn't know that you were such a, an activist, if you will. Um, and, and I thought, I thought I'm like, this might be a really cool conversation to have with you. And I'm still learning so much about you. So I thought this would be a great guest to have on, on Not Quite Strangers. But then I had to think about who could I match you up with mm. to have, yeah, like who who is someone that is as committed to leadership and as committed to being generous with experience and information, who cares about community. And I have the fortune of working with Lee, Lee Vessel. Lee, you and I know each other from Berkeley. You are also an executive coach. And um, the times that you and I have had the opportunity to share a, well, mostly Zoom screen, I don't think we've ever, we've never met in person. <laughs> it's been phenomenal just to hear your take. You are such a good listener. You hold a lot of, you know, really huge space for people and are generous in your, your thoughts about them. You're so appreciative when you ask questions. You're also really involved in your community. And I know you have a heart for making the world a better place. And I thought, okay, Lee and LD, this is the powerhouse group right here. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you. My pleasure. Now, I always ask the very first question is, why did you say yes to meeting a stranger on a podcast? Both of you. I, I love the idea. I, I just, you know, Valerie, it comes out of respect for you, even though I only know you by Zoom in these boxes, but <laughs> of your spirit about humanity and what you want to do and the notion to introduce people for whatever reasons you have in your mind. I just thought what a great opportunity, what a very special thing to be part of. So that's why I said yes. 
cool. Thanks, Liz. Well, I said yes, because one, I'm an extrovert, and how could I turn <laughs> that an opportunity to, to live that out? Um, but also, um, I trust you, uh, Valerie, um, and I took it for granted that you would not lead me astray or into thinking <laughs> that would not be good for me. Mm. Uh, so, so uh, that, and I think that just reflects the respect that I have for you. So, so I, that's why I said yes. I appreciate that from both of you. And I respect you both tremendously too, especially what you're out doing in the world. So I wanna just start off by asking this question. Now that you have seen each other, we had a, you know, a barely there introduction in the very beginning, because I said, save it, save it for the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about what, when I, when I asked you, when I invited you to do this, what questions came up for you about meeting a stranger? What was your instinct to like, what did you want to find out? What did you need to know? And, and I'll, I'll qualify this by saying, Lee he reached out and said, can you send me LD's bio? Yeah. <laughs> I, did. I, did. I, did. And I was like, we don't do that. I'm not quite strangers, Lee. We don't That's do that. Cheating. That's cheating. <laughs> I did it. I did it. I admit it. I fully admit it. And she's hundred percent right. Um, yeah, I guess that's a default to like want to know the bio that, you know, who's this person and, you know, just to get that biographical sketch. And I love that you said that's not how we do it. And in a way, Valerie, I, I didn't have any questions till seeing LD, till seeing this man who just has this, who I, I wish I was together in person. I, I don't even know where he is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that you go to the same church, that means Dallas. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, now seeing him and hearing him, the questions are starting to take shape. Uh, to me, in meeting any human being, I'd like to hear more about their story, about who they are, and how we ended up being together with you today. <laughs> See, well, it's so much better than a bio, Lee. <laughs> I agree. I, I think that's interesting because I'm a, I'm the exact oppositely. I looked at this as it's a cocktail party. I don't know anybody, and I'm going to dive in when I walk into the room. Mm -hmm. And so I had no questions about anybody who's going to be there. Uh, and I was and I'm probably going to this thing because one, somebody invited me who, who I know, so chances are good. I'm probably gonna have some good interactions with folks that are there. And so let's let's walk into the room and jump in and say, hello, I am, and then start discovering. I did not ask for a bio. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, enough on the bio. <laughs> yeah, like I made a mistake. It's like, man, Alpha, you know, it's like, um, no, no more bios. I'm never asking for anything. <laughs> No, Lee, that's nothing. I mean, I had a guest who didn't ask me for a bio, but went on LinkedIn and printed out the rest, like the life of the person that they were interviewing, wow. for, that they were meeting on the podcast and used it as reference. Here yeah. you say you worked at, talk, talk, to, my, talk to us about that. So, uh, so yeah, that's the other extreme. But no, I, again, part of this experiment, it's an, it's an experiment, kind of a laboratory, is yeah. how we yeah. transform, how we meet a stranger. And you all do this already in a lot of areas of your life, but even for something as contrived and intentional as this, 
I wanted to practice that. Yeah, um, can, I say, can I say one more thing though? Yeah. What you did, Lee, is perfectly fine because it's part of your, your makeup. Yeah. Uh, it's part of your, your sense to prep and to be prepared. And, and I, and I have nothing but respect for that. So I'm teasing you, but yeah, but that's how, but what that it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I love teasing. I, I love uh, being teased. It's a sign of flattery and I <laughs> handle it well. I, 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 you know, life, we have to laugh a bit, right? We got to laugh. Yeah. It's got to start yes. with our, we got to laugh at ourselves and our own foibles and, and especially when you're around people who are joyful and, and good, it makes it makes everything. So thank you. Even as a sign of flattery, I'll remember that. So you guys have already kind of teed up a couple of things that we could talk about. Number one, Lee was like, I don't know where you are in the world. You assumed correctly that Dallas. So we can just start with that. Where are you in the world? <laughs> and and then the other question, um, LD, you kind of alluded to this is, I am blank. So what, what would you like to share with each other about where you are and who you are? Either one. LD, you want to go first? <laughs> Apparently I do. <laughs> I am I am geographically and phil and physically located in Dallas, Texas, in far north Dallas. If you know anything about Dallas at all, I'm out near the Galleria, uh, out in that area, uh, over by Medical City. Um, I am, uh, and we have been in this location for the last maybe 12, 13 years. Um, and I am, and I'm going, and I'm to complete the statement. I am. Yes, you can. Yeah, whatever, wherever you you're you're led to. What do you okay. want to share at this point? Okay, uh, I am. Wow, I am yet in another phase in this wonderful journey that is a circle of life. Um, I am at this point in that journey in my retirement phase. Yay for me. Um, I uh, formally retired about six or seven years ago and I am doing the things I want to do as opposed to the things, some of the things I have to do. So that's mm -hmm. another reason I'm here today because I want to be <laughs> you guys as opposed to have to be. Um, and, and maybe that's enough to get me started. That's enough, all right, cool. And are you originally from Dallas, LD? I am not. I am. I am a Texan. I'm from uh, East Texas, uh, Texarkana, Texas. That's where okay. where I grew up. Gotcha. Cool. All right, Lee. Where are you geographically? And so I am. I'm just wondering, in the spirit of humor, is this like the old person show or the retirement show? Is that why you and I are on? I mean, no, no. I, I don't mean to label it that way. It's, um, it's the geezer hour. <laughs> These are hour with Valerie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here. Um, in a, it's called Kensington, California. It's right next to Berkeley, Oakland, East Bay. Uh, been up here about uh, 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 since 2007. And I am also retired. Um, and I guess I am. I am. Um, I am filled with pain about the suffering in the world and I'm filled with joy about the beauty in life and I guess 
each day and kind of Zeldi said beautifully that to do things what I wish to do, but in my retirement, how do I try to make the world a little bit better for just a few people? And how do I also enjoy this life that's finite? And how do I enjoy the beauty of it? So that's, I am that. Wow. See, that's why I wanted the geezer hour. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time LD I've been on a geezer hour. You've been on one before? <laughs> No, no. That, that, I think you just have mixed in with folks. So yes, yeah. I, I mix it up too. So no, that was, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, teasing is a sign of flattery. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and and Lee, you're originally from California. Yeah, I grew up in uh, down in in Los Angeles and kind of southeast Los Angeles, an area called Huntington Park, California. Oh yeah, okay. Very cool. Well, you know, I, I, I shared with the two of you a little bit about how I know you. And one of the reasons that I thought would be great to connect you with one another is because both of you have uh, one, a sense of leadership and not just leadership because of a role that you've taken on. But it seems to me, at least from the outside looking in, um, the the drive to lead, the the responsibility, like you have you feel accountable to other people and, and the, maybe the institutions or organizations that you serve to be hmm. in the leadership. That's my sense from having uh, experienced the two of you. So I'm curious about where, that, where, does, where does that come from? What is it that has you say yes to things? You know, LD, you kind of said you get to do things you want to do now instead of what you need to do. So hmm. what, what makes you guys want to do the things that you're doing? Um, I, I know definitively, um, many years ago, I did a exercise. Uh, it was out of New Mexico at one of those retreats, one of those uh, high ropes retreats. Remember those when those were very mm -hmm. popular in the middle of the desert and the whole weekend, or no, it's more than a weekend was dedicated toward uh, the whole idea of why are you on this planet? And of course, that's a question that some of us ask ourselves and still haven't figured out. Uh, well, I had several days to do it. And what was so funny is the facilitator, you know, sent me out in the desert and I sat on a rock for I don't know how long and came back with this, oh, this is, this is, this is it. And he looked at what I had written down and he says, no, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Go back out and sit on the rock. That's great. Um, but because I did that and actually was able to capture in writing, which is also part of the, of the exercise, was to map out not only your purpose, but how you're going to execute around it, that still drives today what I say yes to. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I was so pleased to hear what Lee was saying about uh, making the world a better place, because that is part of my driving force. So that, that is part of my center is... Um, uh, but I've narrowed it to specific areas that I want to be active in in order to really maximize the time that I, I, I have. I don't, I can't say that I am driven to be a leader, but when I am in a leadership position, be it head of a board or a committee or a work team or whatever, I'm a firm believer in servant, in the whole idea of the servant leadership model. Um, and that for to say succinctly is 
you take care of the people, the people will take care of the company. Uh, so that has been my guiding mantra, both professionally and privately. Mm -hmm. Does, does no. that sort of answer that? That very much answers that. Very much answers that. And I think it's interesting what you talk about. When you are aligned with your purpose, it's the answer is clear yes or clear no. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, when there's clarity of purpose, so many things are, are, are easier to, to align with. Um, there, there are, there are, there are multiple part. opportunities that were very prestigious, but they didn't fit. Yeah. And, and had, having been, had the opportunity to be thoughtful about it, um, it was easy to say no. Uh, not mm -hmm. easy to say no, but at least give some other suggestions or references yeah. for folks who might be helpful. But yeah. Yeah, wow, absolutely. Yeah, I know I've told you no a couple of times for some opportunities <laughs> that you presented to me. I'm like, no, LD, it doesn't fit my purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Church-related stuff, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Lee, what about for you? How did you know? Well, I still love that question that LD shared of why are you on this planet? I love that. Mm. Maybe talk about that later. But, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's... Um, as I was listening to LD, I was thinking about, for me, that um, growing up in Southeast LA, so I, I'm, I'm Jewish, and I was one of only two Jews in my high school, so distinctly a minority. You know, even though when people hear Los Angeles, they always think about maybe a lot of Jewish people, but I was a minority where I grew up. And when I was 14 or 15 years old, and I, I don't know how it came into our orbit, uh, but it did, uh, my parents sent me away to a Jewish camp uh, out in Ojai, California. And it was that summer that I met people I had never met in my life before. For the first time in my life, I really understood the beauty of my tradition and uh, how it's a way of life and how it speaks to an ethic that I felt, but I, I never understood it. It, it was uh, in the little synagogue I grew up in. It was not that kind of place. And I saw those values. And uh, when, when I was, I guess it was when I was 15 years old. And in, with one of our teachers, we read Eric Fromm's book, uh, The Art of Loving. And all that I remember about that book is saying that, which I didn't understand as a 15 year old, trust me, is that it said falling in love is easy, but standing in love is a big commitment. And I guess that summer in a very uh, deep way inspired me about what people can do with their life. That if you have an intention, if you care, that you can, because that, that life changed me. Uh, I was a 15 year old boy kind of lost uh, growing up in the world where I grew up and with the family I had with all those things. And it gave me a sense of that, wow, as you figure things out on this journey and you learn who you are, you can utilize that to help other people. And one of the expressions I use is, how do we open the doors for ourselves to walk in rooms, metaphorically, where we wish to be in life? And how do we use whatever privilege we have to open doors for other people that maybe they can walk through to find that purpose, that sense of, of what they're on this planet for? Mm 
Mm. Does, that, does that answer it all or is that just well, that, that that answers and creates even more questions you know thank goodness for jewish camps <laughs> i've gotten all of that now did you say the book was from eric from the art of loving is that what you call it the art of loving it was a classic and uh, it okay. was it's not an easy book but it's it's a beautiful it's just a little book about love and i think what made from radical was saying yeah falling in love which we all know how to do any human being probably most human beings fall in love in some way in life but it said that that's the challenge is how do you stand in love how do you relate to the real human and other people so i just that little book stood out for me greatly my goodness i uh, i actually uh I don't, I used to tell people I don't collect things. Then, then I realized I do collect things. I collect quotes. And mm -hmm. a quote from Eric Fromm was one of the first ones that I came across. Uh, and, and I just think that's, I think we just keep having these connections. So I'm a fan of Eric Fromm as well. What, what is the quote? Oh, it's in my book. I, from many years ago, I can go get it if you'd like. <laughs> but At some point, maybe we can do it later, but it's I don't know. It's in another room, but I have okay. so many of them which is why I write them down. I go through them periodically for inspiration. Mm. And Eric Fromm is always there. LD, I love quotes too. We'll have to at some point, you and me, maybe we'll let Valerie in, but she's really not old enough, is we'll share, <laughs> we'll share the quotes that shape our life. <laughs> I have quotes too. <laughs> but you're not old enough. I know. I, I don't have my AARP card yet. <laughs> Love, darling. Sorry. <laughs> oh, funny. Um, so this, so the question that LD you mentioned you had to answer for yourself when you were out in the in that um, Arizona retreat, and and Lee yeah. it sounds like it resonated for you. Was what? Why are you on this planet? Um, it's a big question, and you know it's funny because I a few weeks ago. I went to visit uh, my mother who lives in Alabama and was my, my entire family went, my three brothers, all of their kids and, and oh, their wonderful. wives. And yeah, it was fantastic. Fantastic. One of the outings that we all did is we went to Montgomery, Alabama, which is about an hour and a half from where she yes. lives. And we went to the Equal Justice Initiative Museum and yes. Memorial, which was phenomenal, phenomenally done, just what a it's a treasured space treasured yes. space and and although much of what's what's depicted is horrific history everything from slavery through the jim crow and and, and segregation through lynchings through uh, mass incarcerations i mean it lays it out very very explicitly um very powerfully for the first time in my life and, and I interacted with a few people that were in that space, not my family necessarily, but other, other guests of the museum. I interacted with them, but for the first time in my life, I realized that my drive to connect with people and connect people with each other was actually an act of, it was activism, mm -hmm. you know, because of the energy that comes with it, the commitment to it, the conviction that I have about it. And so, I wasn't, I never, you know, considered that to be activism because I thought, well, it's just a nice thing to do. It's, it's kind, it's considerate, it's, it's a skill that I have, right? It's an instinct that I have, but I realized that the drive for it 
the need that I have for this is insatiable almost. Um, mm. it, and, and I realized that that's one of the reasons I'm on this planet because, because it comes so naturally to me and it's so instinctive and there's so much conviction behind it that I was able to say, okay, release the judgment that comes from it or the, or the lightheartedness that perhaps could be associated to it and just go, oh, actually, this is why I'm on this planet because I'm an activism for connection. And, and in that particular space, seeing all the history that was laid out, I realized that one of the, uh, it, I don't mean to diminish anything by, by my comment, but that the symptoms that were depicted in that museum, right? The symptoms of, of, of slavery as a, as a means for, for financial gain, of, of the diminishing of people and execution of people because mm -hmm. of their race to, to maintain power structures and systems, like all these other things. I realized that what was missing was the human connection. Like it required dehumanization of people. And if we look back at any, any, significant, um, uh, any significant separation between people, execution of people, anything from the Holocaust to any sort of, um, you know, some of our African countries have also experienced the genocides. So the separation of a human being from their inherent value as a human when that becomes un unmoored, it's when we have, you know, the, the opportunity for hate to creep in or or to commoditize people. So that was my political statement, <laughs> as best as I could describe it. I'm like, yes, connection is an act of act is activism for me. So I'd love to hear from the two of you. First of all, any reflections on what I just shared? Agree, disagree? You have a different perspective, and or what would you say the answer to your purpose on this planet? is well fully agree with what you just said i love it that it, it is we how we dehumanize the other and how we don't engage in real conversations valerie like you're trying to have and hosting today with ld and me that it when you talk with people and you're curious you learn about another human being and you see the humanity yeah. in them. You see that they're a person who's doing their best to make sense of the world. And I think you're absolutely right that it is a wonder to try and connect people. I love it. it it's, a, it's to me, one of the things I try to do is how do I get people to open up and see the human story in others that want to learn the human story to not just see someone as this or that, or the, you know, there's the, uh, the wonderful talk, the danger of a single story, mm -hmm. uh, that we reduce people to a single story. How do we see the complexity of another human being? And that is by opening up and listening and conversing. So I, I love what you shared. And I, I, it resonates deeply with me. Hmm. Well, I was, uh, you, you mentioned yourself being an activist. I've never used that word for myself, but you described me that way when we first started uh, uh, talking <laughs> and I understand why, but as far as why I am here, that became very clear to me as I did this again, this, this, this exercise to 
sort of reach that. And, and the whole idea of the exercise was is to come down to a very succinct statement of why I am here. Um, and so having worked through that, first of all, I'm a caretaker of humankind. That is why I am here on this planet. Hmm. But the way that plays out is there's that political piece, which you already talked about and realize that I'm very active there. And it's not because I love politics, but I have seen how politics, even in my own parents' lives, uh, Jim Crow laws, the, um, uh, the uh, 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 having to pay to vote, uh, and then even if you had the right to vote, having to walk through certain people who were there to intimidate you in order to vote. So I understand from a very early age the impact that the politics has. So if I'm going to be a caretaker of humankind, for me, that means being active on that front. The other piece for me, a big piece for me, is uh, youth and young people. So I am a big, big, I say yes to a lot of opportunities that present themselves that allow me to be, to play some kind of active role around having, making sure young people have an opportunity uh, are raised up, uh, that the horizons are expanded so they will have a different experience in this country than I had growing up. Um, and then finally, my other piece as to why I am here centers around family. Um, and that is being, uh, uh, like for example, my godson, when he was born and his mother asked me to be uh, a godparent, they, that he came under that umbrella because in an urban setting like Dallas, uh, black young men do not live to adulthood in a lot of instances. So it became part of my purpose was to ensure that he reached manhood. He's mm -hmm. 33 now. So, so I've got room to do something else now. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, but family, uh, my spouse, my, uh, uh, my mom and dad in their life, lifetime and other folks who needed that kind. So those three pieces of my purpose on this planet just came crystal clear just very, just very quickly. And then from a professional standpoint, to find a profession that would allow me to do good in the world and be a caretaker from that perspective. As long as I can pay the mortgage, <laughs> is there work that I can do that would make this world a better place? Mm. Oh, nice. The wow. idea of politics, family, youth, that, that, that being a caretaker, right? I think that's the, the key. The caretaking takes place in very specific moments yes. and very specific contexts. Yes. Beautiful. And then when those other things come at you, yeah. that will, you know, Stephen Covey talks about maintaining your true north. <laughs> mm -hmm. When the winds rise, when the waves come, 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 come at you, as long as you know your true north, mm -hmm. you, things, pe things and people and circumstances can't take you off your path. Mm. Mm. Wow. Lee, what are you thinking over there? Well, for, I'm deeply moved by what LD said. And I resonate in so many areas. I guess my, the reason I'm on this planet is make life a, a tad bit better for some human beings, especially the dispossessed and the most vulnerable of people who just have a raw deal and how to make a little life a little bit better and how to uplift our humanity, how to, in a world that often just tears apart our souls, 
how to uplift the heart and the soul. And I guess NLD, you gave me kind of an organizational principle. I think I do it in similar ways to you is family is extremely important to me. And, you know, to try and shape something that will be a little bit better for my grandchildren, to try and make this world a little bit kinder and good and decent in a world that is often a storm, is often on fire. And I, there on that piece, I'm a lifelong learner. And um, five years, five and a half years ago, we were blessed to welcome one of my granddaughters, Ayala, who has uh, is Down syndrome. And from Ayala, I learned so much about love and goodness. Mm. Uh, and that people may say she has a disability with Down syndrome, but she has an ability. And it, in, it's led me into a world of trying to make world life better for so many with so-called disabilities. And mm. a lot, that takes a lot of my time. The second piece is community. What does community mean? Who are we connected to? Mm. How do we feel a sense? You know, one of the things Americans love to talk about is our rights. We're obsessed with rights and we've forgotten about duties. And um, I love the notion of duty and responsibility that I share this planet with other people. And what does it mean to live in community? And community can be rights are easy. I have a right to this, that, individual rights. What about community rights? And what about the community of people? Another segment is, can't do any of that unless I figure out good ways of taking care of myself, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And this year, and again, I, I think, you know, no matter what our age, whatever that numbers are, it doesn't really matter. Um, I did something new to nurture that part of me. I went on a three-day silent meditation retreat up in Northern California. Uh, in three days, not easy to not talk. I mean, I kept trying to figure out ways to talk. No, I, but it's not. And it's constantly the question about my role here and how can I be show up for Lee in the best way that will allow me to show up with the best heart I can for the others I share this planet with and that I'm a community with or that I care about. Um, so that's kind of like, for me, the principles of what I try to do. Wow. Community, self-care, your grandchildren. That's lovely. I, you know, I'm curious about um, when you think back to when you guys were both younger, right? Let's say teenagers. Sounds like there's some, some important things that you mentioned the camp that you went to, but thinking back to when you were younger and who and how you were then compared to who you are and we're now, what, what would you tell your young <laughs> LD, your face? What would you do? What would you tell that, that young man, um, that teenager about what life really means or what you would, what, what potholes you wish he would pay attention to? Like what advice would you give your younger self? I, I would and why you, and why would you give it so I, I don't know if this quite will answer but so I think when you were saying the question sharing the question Valerie I thought about Lee who at 17 years old arrived in 1966 up here to Berkeley California to attend the University of California mm -hmm. and I think what I would tell Lee is hey hey buddy um 
it's going to be okay. You know, that this is like, you weren't ready for this whole thing at Berkeley, but have a little bit more compassion for yourself. Um, trust that, don't be so judgmental of yourself. Try to be kinder to yourself in the same way you're kind to other people. It, it uh, how would I put it? The, the why, I guess, Valerie, and kind of mixing up the, the answer here a little bit, LD, is that I often find in my own journey that I'm harshest on myself and my own life story. Mm. And um, I would say to the Lee back then, take it in fully, man, and look at the world around you, which I did fully back then in the 60s, but um, trust that it's going to be okay. Mm. Trust that you're going to take these things that happened to you in that as a young man, and you're going to build something. Because I think often I was filled with doubt. Often I didn't know how it was going to be shaped. Often I didn't know how I was going to harness whatever ability I have. And I tell that young man, you know, just keep doing it and the picture will emerge. Don't rush it. Mm. 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 Don't rush it. All things in time. Yeah. LD? That young man back then, um, that young man back then was coming out of a segregated South, had gone to separate, but definitely not equal schools <laughs> uh, up until the issue was forced by the federal government, um, lived beneath the poverty line his entire life. Um, and so by virtue of the way society reacted to or treated that young man, there were senses of inferiority, of being lesser than. Um, and so I would tell that young man back from, from that time period, uh, it's not the reality, it's the, per, it's your, it's the perception that, that this is this, and the fact that this too shall pass because standing in the middle of it, there's a, there's a little bit of hopelessness. Um, uh, as much as you see other things in the world, other ways to live, other ways to be, they are inaccessible to you because you are lesser than. Mm. Um, and so helping that young me think through, work through, pray through, educate through mm. all of that. Uh, I think that would be my messaging to my 17 year old self. Mm. Kind of how you do now with young people, sounds like what you say to them. Actually, if, if, and actually, Valerie, we, we, part of my position is to help young people, even if they never know my name. Mm -hmm. So a lot of instances with the things that I am involved in, I will never interact, I will be there, will never interact with those young people, but I am purposeful on how I'm going to assist them mm. or him or her or that individual. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of instances where I do, but, uh, but in a lot of instances, I don't, I don't even, I don't directly interact with those folks. I act through mm -hmm. other people, uh, but it's still fulfilling my purpose. Oh, that's wow. beautiful. 
Wow. You know, I would <laughs> sound silly to say it now, but I would tell my younger self to play more. Uh, I was so significant when I was younger. I think part <laughs> of it, my parents, <laughs> my parents um, had a lot of confidence in me. I'm the second child, but I acted like I was the eldest and I'm the only girl. Um, but I took myself way too seriously, I think. I look back, I didn't smile in a lot of pictures because I was like so over it. <laughs> like why am I here you know, I, I needed to get my way in a lot of ways that were not that deep or important or meaningful you know I think I cut myself off from doing more things or trying new things just because I was so rigid about what I should or shouldn't do what was appropriate not appropriate for me at that age um just like play more so I'm making up for lost times so I play a lot more now than I did um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's time for one of you guys to ask a question. You brought some questions or you have some questions in mind that you'd like to ask. No, can I, can I just say one thing though, before we go to of the course. question is that, you know, LD, when you said that notion of less than it, it captured, I often felt in my early years of Berkeley, less than mm. other people were smarter, more disciplined, more academically yes. ready. And the, the 17 year old Lee, you know, believe it or not, I used to be skinny. And now, you know, I, but I was like that skinny, wiry boy that, you know, in the old days to get into Berkeley, you know, it sounds good now, right? It's impressive that all you need to do is be alive and be, have, if you lived in California, just have a 3.0 grade point average. Mm -hmm. um, and I never took a book home in high school. I never did anything. I just managed to get a few A's sprinkled in with a bunch of C's and got that B average. <laughs> but that less than, it took years to deal with that and address that. Oh. Okay, can I ask a question of LD first? And I, I got a I yeah. I got a million now. Uh-oh. Um how many times a night do you get up to pee? <laughs> You've never had that question, have you, Valerie? On this no, show? no okay. love it. No, but when and you're usually it, and usually it's a doctor that's asking me that question. <laughs> yeah. so. No, when you're up in the middle of the night, LD. <laughs> wait, 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 Lee. Uh -uh, wait, wait, Lee. I think it's only fair that you that we give space to LD to answer oh, yeah. oh, yeah. the original question. I wasn't gonna put him on the spot. No, no, no. I think it's too late now. <laughs> if he wants to. Okay, I want to, but I want it followed up by why the heck is it significant that you know my my bodily functions? <laughs> Um, it, it, again, <laughs> have large one. windows of time, Lee, not at all, but when I do once a night, <laughs> wow, yes. wow. Yes. that's good news for me. <laughs> we'll I'm glad that makes you feel better. <laughs> uh, is, is. Here's why I asked it. Are you up all nightly? Is that what you're, is that what you're a, about a, to say? A good night for me, LD, is three times. A tough night is six, seven times. Um, so it's, uh, oh I got to deal with a doctor about that and all that stuff. Oh. Okay. But, um, <laughs> when you do, when you're up at night or you can't go to sleep, this is what it's really about. What are you thinking about? What, what's on your mind uh, late at night or middle of the night? Or what's on your mind? I am not up in that way, Lee. Um, 
I have, uh, like when I do have that one time that happens, my, my, my goal is to get in there, get it done, get back into bed and go to sleep, not to be awake. Hmm. Um, I stopped being awake late at night, Lee, when I changed the way I go to bed, hmm. started following all the recommendations of one, turn off the laptop and the screen an hour beforehand, uh, a lot of times that last hour or half hour or so at night, I am reading, I am detaching, I am winding down, mm. uh, I'm not snacking, um, I am getting ready for a good night's sleep. Uh, and the only time I break that cycle is when the Turner Classic Movies has a marathon going on. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm up till 3 a.m. Um, I'm watching. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but I, I, I don't have that staying awake at night issue at this point. That's fantastic. So you're really able to go to sleep in peace. But also I attribute that lead to not only those things, but a regular exercise program. Yeah. That sort of burns my energy during the day. I think that helps as well. Like I did a three mile walk this morning before it got extra hot. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and uh, tomorrow's a gym day. So I, I think exercise too helps with that. Hmm. I don't know, but I believe it. <laughs> um, so no, I'm not up at night unless I choose to stay up to watch some binge watch something. So can I push it a little bit, Valerie? Cause it's sort of all- Hey, go for it. As long as you don't ask me about any other bodily functions, I'm <laughs> okay. No, 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 I, I would never do that, LD. I would never ask a question like that. I'm like, hey, this is a G-rated show. Yes. <laughs> That's the family That's audience. A, yeah, okay, yeah, it's, it's, a, a, it's the geezer hour and we are concerned about bodily functions at this age. So maybe what I'm getting at is, um, what worries you when you're, around during the day or taking a walk or what do you worry about? I bring a lot of my worries into my meditation time in the mornings. Huh. Um, and of course I come out of that and then I sit down to read the morning paper and I'm tensed up all over again. <laughs> um, Excuse me. But the things that worry me I am fortunate in that I'm acting on those. Like for example, when you see my calendar for this week, uh, I attended a political forum because I wanna understand what's happening with a certain issue. Uh, I've got a board meeting uh, uh, early next week uh, around some youth issues. The uh, LD, I think he froze. We lost this audio. And this visual guide. Yeah. LD, Things we that worry okay, me, I'm either active in or I am prayerful about. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Uh, you're says back. My, okay. Yeah. yeah, I just got a little message that says my internet connection is unstable. So, okay. After it went unstable. So, that wasn't helpful. <laughs> okay. So, what I was saying is that with those, those, those things that I worry about, Lee, uh, and I was happy to say that you, I have a retreat practice too. Uh, and usually it's a minimum of three days in a cabin somewhere um, with my books, my prayer list, hiking opportunities potentially. And I take all those worries there as well. 
Um, but the things that I worry about are the things that I think most people do, the environment, uh, what's happening to our, uh, within our, in the, in the, in the actions of our government, what's happening, what's not happening. Uh, financials, those kinds of things. So, but I try to find a way not to have those things consume me. Hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, thank you for the answer. And, you know, I know there's limited time, but, you know, LD, I, I hope you and I will continue maybe with some young people like Valerie and Paul, but I'd love to learn <laughs> more about all that. It's a beautiful answer. And thank you for your honesty and for sharing it. And I, I want to learn more about your whole practice and but thank you. Lee, what inspired the question? It, to me, it's a question of, and whether it's at night or during the day, I'm always curious about what's on people's minds, you know, because we, we see each other, we pass each other, but we don't necessarily know what's in each other's minds, right? We, we're, we're tactical, we're, we're in a meeting, we're doing these things, but what, what, what's deeper? And so the yeah. opportunity to find another human being to have the time and to be able to ask, like, what are you thinking about? And, you know, of what's going on in your mind? And I mean, LD's answer is beautiful. It really inspired me. Mm, lovely. Thank you for asking it. Also, including the bodily functions. I think that brought, brought oh. some levity. That's my playful Valerie coming through. <laughs> no, more, no more bios and no more bodily functions. No bios and bodily functions. Bios and bios. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> LD, what questions do you have? Um, tell me about to date in your life what would you consider to be the most impactful moment? Good, bad? So up through the 73 years of life, what's been the most impactful thing? Moment. Your aha moment. Mm. My, your oh my gosh moment. Great question. I think one. what a very big moment that comes to mind right away when you said it, um, November 22nd, 1963. Oh, wow. Lee Cell sitting in ninth grade, whatever class. And the news came over that President Kennedy had been assassinated. Mm. I loved JFK. I loved what he represented. I loved the idealism. I loved the spirit. We're going to make a better America than what was. But in that moment, I was in tears, but... I guess I can say his name. I mean, he was probably a decent human being, uh, a kid in my class who's now deceased. Um, and I didn't really understand different political views or perspectives. A kid, I, I won't say his name. It's not right to do that to a deceased person. But, but a kid said out loud in that class, oh, this is a good thing for America that we won't have him as president and those liberal uh, views or whatever. Mm. And in my heart, or more than in my heart, I, I felt hate. If I had not been a 90-pound weakling, I probably would have wanted to beat him up. I mean, I wanted to beat him up, but I certainly was ill-equipped to do that uh, as a ninth grader would come to mind. But the aha moment was that someone I could love and admire and cherish and that other people thought exactly the opposite. 
And I think what hit me in that moment, LD, is that the world's made up of a lot of different people. And this young man was probably, I never really got to know him because it, it, it repulsed me, his views. It just, it, and I never, it, I, we never really interacted. And then life goes on after high school. But how a human being could see the world so differently. And I think the aha moment unfolded over decades of that the world is made up of different people and how hurtful some people can be. But of that, when JFK was assassinated, that moment sitting in my English class, I think it was English, I'm almost sure it was ninth grade English, um, that we never know when life's gonna end, but what a difference JFK made in his life and even at this young age. So that was, I don't know, that's a moment when you ask the question, there's probably, there's, I know a million, or not a million, but lots of other moments I could conjure up, but that right. moment lives with me at so many levels, the good, the bad, the tragic, the, the, the ability to what a human being can unleash for good in his life like JFK did. So there's just so many moments triggered with that for me. Mm. Amazing. LD, if you were to answer that question, what would yours be? Well, I certainly remember that moment uh, because uh, uh, hope died <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. as a little black boy sitting in, in school and hearing about that and people crying all around me. Hope died that day. Right. Um, but I would go to another moment um, and that would be in high school. Um, and the schools have desegregated now. And so I'm being bused, they've, they've shut down the black high schools and the, 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 the segregated black schools. And I'm being bused to this new high school to go to school with the white kids, as we used to say. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I'm in a school, my mother's a maid and the people's kids that she was a maid to go to this school. Mm. And I am in this school as a student as well. So I've come into this environment all of a sudden. Uh, again, probably fueled my whole sense of, 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 of being lesser than in some ways. But I remember a English teacher uh, who thought I was, was pleased with how well I was doing with English. And she wanted to move me into her advanced English class. And I declined, little note, not, knowing that I had no right to decline. <laughs> I was going to be moved anyway. I didn't want to go because all of the smart kids, especially the rich white smart kids, were in that class. And I could not possibly have belonged in that class. Mm. She went to the office, had my schedule changed against my will. And here I am in this literature class. And she is giving me things like Ayn Rand and Atlas Shrugged and, and all these classics. And while she's making me keep up with that bit of work, she's also giving me books by black authors. Wow. And so I'm getting exposed to all of these people I've never read before. Hmm. And I'm to do book, I'm now I'm to do my regular work, but she's also giving me this other stuff and expecting to get book reports on it and all that stuff. Um, so, so I'm reading, and, and but my aha moment, my turning point moment was, 
she took me aside at one point and said, why aren't you speaking up in class? And I could not explain to her why I was not, I did not have that kind of relationship I felt with her to be able to explain to her how I felt lesser than. But she was very clear on the expectation that I was to speak up in class and actively participate because she said, she told me, I know you have a great mind. Wow. I know you have a great mind. And, and my fear was I was going to say the wrong thing. Mm. But got back into the class system. And it was all it was all opinionated. And, and I'm going to not name the guy that that like you, there was a guy in there who was, he was a doctor's son, and he always had some philosophical perspective on everything. Well, I didn't agree with something he said about an author and an author's purpose at one point. And I spoke that and she said, excellent to me. Wow. And that was a moment. Mm. I, I, something happened that I can think, I can, I can have a different opinion, I can pontificate just like anybody else I yeah so that was that moment I you know <laughs> this is the challenge with having just an hour of <laughs> conversation because you all every time you answer a question I have 50 more questions about what you just said and um this idea of having a moment and, and both of you were able to articulate a moment that um there was a reaction, there was an opinion about something, about other people, about yourself. And it looks like, it sounds like from that experience, you were also able to break through something. There was a breakthrough moment in this, in, in that realization. Um, I'm going to say one that's a little bit on the lighter side, because I think, <laughs> I think you could warrant this. I used to hate vegetables when I was a kid. <laughs> Hated them but I found ingenious ways to ensure that everybody thought I was eating them. <laughs> Everything from, we had a dog, so they would, you know, the green beans would magically roll off my plate onto the floor, <laughs> people being none the wiser, or I would take a big mouthful and gag it into my cup <laughs> so no one would see that I was getting rid of it. Um, and, and it wasn't until I started to travel. I mean, well, one last example. I mean, I hated vegetables so much that when my brothers and my parents were like, hey, let's go have, um, let's go to a Chinese restaurant for dinner. I would say, nope, I'm staying in the car. I don't <laughs> eat that, right? <laughs> and um, so this was most of my life through, I would say, even beginnings of college, really. And when I started, right after college, I went to work for an organization called Up With People. And we traveled internationally and lived with host families. And one thing I realized about, myself, about myself is that I cared, I cared a lot, a lot more, more about not hurting, hurting families or offending people that I lived with. And when I saw peers who said, what's that? Oh, I don't eat that. I don't like that. How um, ignorant and immature that sounded that I just couldn't, as much as I hated vegetables, I could not say, I don't like that. I don't eat that. What is that? So I just put on a brave face and I would eat it. And I realized that people know how to cook <laughs> vegetables and they can sometimes taste very good. <laughs> and so no shade to my mom, or, but <laughs> the vegetables were not that great growing up. That made a difference. 
But I, yeah. I, I realized that we can all change. We can change. And so much so that I have a family member, a young one who is going through some of her own limitations, <laughs> her, her palate, and I can have a lot more grace for it. And I have to remind the other adults in my life, you know what? I was that kid. And I would double down about how I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to, and I don't, didn't need to, and I didn't like it. And now I prefer to cook vegetables and that's, and I'm, I excel at it and I enjoy it and people enjoy it when they eat it. So um, I think that my aha moment was, that was one of them that just, I could change. And not only, and the experience of not having changed then makes me a strong advocate for somebody that's going through what I went through. Mm. I can have a lot more grace and compassion for them. So, who, gentlemen, what, I mean, time has come by to a close so quickly, but I'm curious, what did you, what did you think about having this conversation? What did you think about meeting one another? What, what's present for you right now? I loved it. Um, it, it, I have so many other things I'll need to ask you about and I would love to converse with you about. I hope this is the beginning of a relationship, maybe a friendship. Um, I'd like to learn about this human being sitting down there in Dallas and, um, more about you. And, um, so I've really enjoyed it and. I wish there was a lot more time today, but it's an introduction. It's a conversation, as you say, Valerie, with a stranger and that somehow in this, and you craft it this way that we're able to learn a little bit and, and get to know each other. And it's a start because even thinking more about the aha moment, I might've shared another aha moment or, you know, <laughs> it's like, what did I choose? Why did I choose that? But I just think this is great. Mm. Thanks, Lee. LD, what about for you? What's well, I, uh, I could have had a better match, um, <laughs> but I did the best you could. I did the Lord, best I could. Lord love you. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is wonderful. Um, I thought this would. I thought we were just getting started, but we're wrapping up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that to me says it's been a good conversation. When time goes by, you haven't looked at your watch. <laughs> uh, and you're fully engaged. So this has been a wonderful discovery. Uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. Um, and uh, 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 Lee, part of what I get to do in this wonderful world of retirement is uh, I am known for my road, my cross-country road trips. So I'll have to put you on my, say hey to Lee and have coffee with the next time I'm in California. Fantastic. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to reach yeah. out to connect with you after this anyway. Yes. Uh, we'll find yes. a time. Perfect. So, so we can sit down and have some more conversation someday. I love that. So without getting into it clearly, but I'm curious, what would you want to have more conversation about? What's the topic that came to mind or a question that came to mind without going down the explanation of why, but what comes to mind that you would like to know more about from each other? So for me, at the simple level, I guess I would, and I've been thinking a lot because I've done a lot of things where you don't know what a person does, which I, I think is great. I love how you set this up. But I guess part of me would like to know before LD retired, what, what he did and why and how that went and what the journey of his career was just to 
not as just as a simple bio, but as a narrative. In his <laughs> life. I'd like to know more about his family. I'd like to know more about, um, he seems to be a man kind of at peace in many ways, very comfortable in his skin. And and I'd like to know more about that journey. And and wow. he's got a great discipline. So there's a lot of things I'd want to know about. Wow. Wow. I'd like to know what he does for fun. Um, <laughs> you know, I, all that stuff. <laughs> LD, what about for you? What questions are lingering or topics that you'd like to explore in meeting with, with Lee? Um, I have uh, I have spent uh, time in synagogues and at various uh, Jewish celebrations with friends and, and then such over the years. I'd like to know more about his experience in, in that realm, uh, what that has meant to him, how that has impacted or shaped him. Um, I'd like to know about being a grandfather. That's, that's, that's not an experience I, I have had a chance to have and probably will not, but I'd like to know he, I, I, I felt there was some joy there, even when he just mentioned it in passing. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd like to know about that. Um, and I'd like to know about uh, his introspections. Mm -hmm. uh, that time that so many Americans are so afraid or uncomfortable with silence mm -hmm. that they avoid it at all costs what attracts him to that and what comes out of that, those experiences that he has. Mm. Um, uh, uh, I know why I enjoy it and look forward to that okay. going aside for a while, um, uh, to be along with my thoughts, but I'd like to know more about his, his time there. Mm. So much, so much to discuss and continue to, to, to talk and, and learn about one another. Thank you so much. And then the last, 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 I like to have the audience engage in some meaningful way, inspired by the conversation that they just witnessed. So if you were to invite or challenge the audience who's been listening and watching this episode to do something or try something, what would you invite them to do? What would you challenge them to take on as a result of your conversation today? Uh, to assess your skills, your capabilities, your assets, and apply them and apply yourself to making this a better world for humankind. Mm. That's all. <laughs> yes. You can do that Love over the it. weekend. Yes. <laughs> Okay. I'd like to ask the following is take a little time before you go to strangers with the people you know that are part of your orbit, family, friends that kind of not take for granted, but just kind of involved. Take some time to ask more about their story. Take the time to try and engage with them in a real conversation about what they hold dear, what they worry about, what they celebrate what their verse is, you know, to use from that great movie, Dead Poets Society and Robin Williams and citing, it's kind of like, what's your place on this planet? What's your role in this planet? What's your unique verse? Mm. Take the time to ask someone you love or know or is in your orbit a few questions and be curious about them. Mm. Ask questions and be curious. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for the time we spent today from sharing 
bits and pieces of yourselves, your philosophies, your experiences. I've learned a lot more about the two of you. And I now have some questions. So that's fine if you choose not to include me in whatever <laughs> follow-up you engage in. That's all right. <laughs> I hope that everybody here walked away with nothing else, learning more about the two of you, or maybe hopefully being inspired to, to seek out more wisdom, to seek out more philosophy, to go even deeper within, to find out more about themselves and what makes them come alive, what makes, you know, what gives them purpose and how they can serve other people. So thank you both for bringing that to our show today. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie. Yes. For those of you who just tuned in, thank you so much for joining us in this episode of Not Quite Strangers. Remember, you can subscribe at www.notquitestrangers.com and also like us, rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Hope to see you the next time. Have a wonderful rest of the day, everybody. Namaste. You've been listening to the podcast Not Quite Strangers. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite video or podcast platform. And for more information and content, go to notquitestrangers.com. See you next time.